Welcome to the Pay Yourself First podcast. My name is Chris Jolly, and I'm on a mission to financially empower millions of entrepreneurs. I want you to make and keep more money so that you can begin implementing and turbocharging a plan for creating financial freedom your way during the life cycle of your current business without spending a ton of time or becoming a professional investor. You see, most of the financial teachings out there are made for employees, not entrepreneurs. If you wouldn't listen to someone who doesn't have kids about parenting, why take business financial advice from someone without a business? Are you ready to break free of bad advice and follow the trail of other uncommon entrepreneurs so you can get from where you are now to the lifestyle you were aiming to create when you started your business? Then stick around. Here comes another episode of Pay Yourself First, where the only investment we offer is the one you make in yourself. All righty. Welcome back, everybody. I am super excited today, as always, because we have a really another great, amazing, awesome entrepreneur for you. Her name is Anza Goodbar, and she is calling in from Denver today. Her business is called Bankable Events. Anza, how are you today? I'm great, Chris. How are you? I am doing super good. I'm enjoying myself. It's a beautiful day here in Miami and excited to have you on the show. I know you're going to have a lot of insight and wisdom for the audience, just even based on what we were just talking about before the interview. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Why don't you go ahead and just tell everybody a little bit more about who you are and what you do, who you serve and all that great stuff. Awesome. Like you said, my name is Anza Goodvar, and I am the founder and owner of Bankable Events. And I have been in the online business space since 2008. I serve small business owners, a lot of coaches and consultants, and I help them generate income in their business by creating strategies to help them leverage the power of live events to position themselves as an expert in their industry or niche to help them build their brand and raise visibility, but most importantly, to be able to help them build relationship with their clients and be able to drive revenue through monetization strategies. A lot of people like to use live events, but they're not making any money. They're maybe just breaking even. And so we help them design a customized strategy based on what their core values are as a human, but then also with the mission statement that they have in their business so they can be fully aligned with what they're doing, what their purpose is. Because the reason why you host a live event is really important. I love it. I've hosted a number of live events myself. And I think in the beginning, I just thought, hey, it'll be cool. Everybody will want to come. And then you spend a bunch of money and you spend a bunch of time and I got a band and then everybody doesn't come and 10 people show up and you're like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? A lot of people discovered that they're really great at the planning part of it, but not so much the getting butts in seats part of it. And so there's definitely some strategy in order to make that happen. Because otherwise, it's really disappointing when you go through all of the effort to plan this event and experience that you want your attendees to come in and enjoy, and then they don't show up. And so that's a common problem that we work with small business owners to rectify. Yeah, I bet. Now you brought up something important and that's that live events are great for relationship building. I read a Twitter post yesterday, actually, that brought up a good point that I think a lot of people forget about. People get so focused on businesses being a business to business or business to consumer facing, but really business is human to human. It is. Uh, And those live events are so important for that because, yeah, there's a lot of power in social media and it's great Mm -hmm. for leveraging, but you can't build the sort of same relationships online that you build face to face. You're absolutely right. And Zoom events are never going to go away. They're a part of our culture now, but you cannot 
create the same kind of energy or connection through video that you can live. One of the big things that we've been talking about over here at Bankable is everyone talks about building community. Community is nebulous, right? We want to help people build relationship because like you said, business happens human to human. It happens one relationship at a time. So when we help our clients put together event, we want to talk about what's the experience going to be like for the attendee. What's in it for them? We know what's in it for you, right? You want to make money because you're hosting this event. You're hoping to convert leads into paying customers, which is absolutely fine. But what's going to help you do that is by helping build relationships within your event. So you want to make sure that you are offering engaging opportunities that allow people to connect with other attendees because they want to be able to walk away with something tangible from the event. And maybe you're having the event to entertain and to educate, but you also want to give them time to relate to each other. So build in exercises where they get to exchange information, have networking time where they can build in potential collaboration or business opportunities. It's really important because now more than ever, people want to see and touch and feel who you are as a human being, not just as this business owner, not as this product supplier, but as a person, they want to know who you are. Whether you're an attendee connecting with another attendee or whether you're there to connect with someone who's speaking from stage, it's really important to help people create that sense of belonging. These are my people. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm going to find my answers. This is where I'm going to get unstuck, whatever that purpose is that you're hosting. It's really important to create those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think now more than ever is correct with the disappearance of live events for a while. Everybody mm -hmm. I find, or most everybody is itching to get back out there and be face-to-face -face and go do stuff mm -hmm. again. Were you operating this business during the COVID shutdown? And if so, how did that go for you? Yeah, you're going to laugh at this story. So so I have had a business consulting and coaching business since 2008, and I was actually on a podcast in December and the podcast host asked me what's hot in 2023. And I had just helped a client make a million five at an event, a live event in Chicago. And I said, you know what? Live events are what is going to be hot. And so I created the bankable brand in December. And I'll tell you what, it is hot. Everybody is wanting to know, how do I host a live event? What's in it for me? What if I don't have a big name behind my brand? Can I still have a lucrative event? And so it's been a lot of fun to help people look at new ways that they can build a lead gen tool and a business building tool where they can create consistent revenue by like I said, positioning themselves as that expert in the field, being able to build that sense of community, that sense of belonging with their followers, and being able to sell things that are meaningful to the people that they're serving in order to be able to monetize on their events. Prior 
to being an online business person, I have 20 years of event planning experience and I've helped businesses raise more than a hundred million dollars in their businesses. And when I started my online business, I actually thought I was going to do a lot more events than what actually came into play. And so I'm really excited to be able to pull into something that I really love to be able to help people scale their business and have fun while they're doing it. Serve in a new way, create those engaging experiences that people want to be a part of. And when you're creating those experiences, people are organically flocking to you. And that's part of the magic with live events, in my opinion. It sounds like you've really found your place and what you're supposed to be doing. And I always love to hear that. So that's super <laughs> cool. Now, I think when people hear something like you helped somebody do an event at for 1.5 million, for a lot of entrepreneurs, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm guessing that person probably had a pretty large network and it was probably a pretty warm network. And so a lot of entrepreneurs will hear that and be like, well, there's no way I can ever do that. So mm -hmm. for somebody who maybe isn't quite at that level yet, what would you do or how do you help them to create an event that does bring in a ton of revenue for them? Sure. One of the things that I would like to point out is not everybody wants to host a million dollar event. That's not where everybody's at. So don't freak yourself out by thinking, oh, in order to have a successful event, I need to make seven figures at my event. That's absolutely not true. You can start by hosting an event at your local library and you can utilize free space, charge a small fee to underwrite your costs if that's what you want to do. Again, you want to think about what's your why, because your why is going to determine what success looks like for you. When I owned my mortgage company, we used to host monthly community events. We didn't charge for them. Our goal, our why was to educate people on the process of home ownership. What does that look like? Who's involved? How do you qualify? And so we brought in realtors. We brought in home appraisers, house inspectors. We brought in title companies and credit repair companies. So we could talk to them about what it means to qualify for a home. What does the home buying process look like? Is your credit score viable for buying a home? And that drove business to us because we were the only mortgage company that was hosting these events and helping people with subprime credit be able to qualify to purchase a home. And that was a free lead magnet. We invited people from the community in, served some refreshments, gave them education that they needed to get something that they wanted, right? And so you want to think about why do you want to host this event? What's going to cause people to come? Why do they want to be there? What do they need to learn? What do they need to know how to do? What's keeping them stuck? How can you unstick them from what's holding them back from creating whatever it is that they're wanting to create, depending on what your niche is? And you don't have to have a huge monetary price tag to have a successful event. And so think Think about what it is that you're trying to do in order to create the success that you're looking for. And for some, and for this woman, this was her third year in business. She didn't have the largest network, but she was very tuned into who her avatar was and the problem that she was solving. And that is a key part to event success. It isn't just saying, I serve women in their mid thirties who are stay at home moms. They make 75,000 to a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's not enough. 
You need to know what does her life look like? Does she have three children under the age of five? Is she a single mom? Is she away from all of her family? Is she a military family? That makes a difference. And so you really want to get into the psyche of what's going on in this person's world in order to be able to attract them to your event. And we talk a lot about that in the business consulting side of my business, because it's important for growing your business as a standard foundational business tool. But it's also super important when you're looking at having a successful event and actually getting the butts in seats and not just advertising this really great experience for people. I think you just put so much amazing information in there for people. I love it. I think one of the really important things, though, is that people... They see like maybe a Tony Robbins event and they think, okay, I'm not that. I don't have this huge stage presence. I'm not going to get these millions of people. What am I going to do? Why is it worth my time? And mm-hmm. sometimes it is just that that getting face to people and getting to know who the people are who want to be in your world. And it helps you to figure out your avatar, even if it's a free event. Like you said, you were just helping people understand the process of home buying. And because you're there talking to them face to face and everybody else is just blasting them on social media or whatever, you definitely have a leg up. You know, that's absolutely true. And I look at events as a try before you buy opportunity. They get to see you, they get to hear you, they get to feel you. They can tell what your energy is. You can tell if there's a a chemistry going on because you need to have rapport when you're looking at a sales situation. You cannot build rapport quickly or as quickly as you can through a live event. And I think that is really an important part of the whole sales process is you take the mystery out of it. Oh, what are they really? They showed up on camera. They looked really great, but I don't know. You know that you know when you meet people. You build know and trust so much faster. You build credibility so much faster. It used to be when people wrote a book, people would ooh and ah, oh, I could never do that. Oh my gosh, you're so amazing. Well, now everybody with self-publishing has written a book. But it's that way when you host your own event, it raises your credibility level in the eyes of other people. Because just like you said, people think, oh, I could never do that. Oh my gosh, I'm not a Tony Robbins or a Marie Forleo or a Brene Brown. I couldn't do that. Oh, you absolutely can. You absolutely can. And that's part of what we help people with too, is the whole mindset thing. Who do you need to become to own your value and your expertise to be able to stand on stage and be the face of your event? What barriers do you need to get through in your mind to be able to stand up and really own all that you have to offer? Because I can guarantee you every entrepreneur out there is in the business of solving problems. Events is just one tool that you can use to solve problems on a one-to-many platform. Yeah, that know, like, and trust factor is so important because that's that's who we want to do business with, people that, that we understand who they are and we know where they're coming from. And as you said, that's so much easier to get across in a live format. As far mm-hmm. as the mindset piece goes, what do you find is the most consistent block that entrepreneurs run into when trying to plan a live event? and pull it off and get the butts in the seat. Imposter syndrome is one of the biggest because they think nobody is going to pay to come see me or I can only charge $49. No one's going to pay more than that to come see me. I don't have this big following. I don't have my own podcast. 
I don't have a TV show or whatever. The stories we hear are pretty crazy. And so it's really having to help them build the confidence to say, I could do this. And one of the things that that we offer people is, so don't do it alone. Collaborate, bring some other people in that have expertise that goes along with the problem that you're solving. Share the stage with other people. Do a panel event. Don't be just one person up there talking, invite three or four other people and have a conversational educational kind of event. There's a lot of ways that you can get around that if you're not quite there yet. What I can tell you is I've had a lot of clients who have paid a lot of money for big name people, and it did not bring one more person to their event. And so sometimes it works and it works out great. And again, each event is different, but don't get caught up in the idea that I don't have the following or the name power that Tony Robbins or Vaynerchuk has, because it really doesn't matter. What matters is how well you know the person you're serving and how well you communicate to them that you know who they are. Because when they feel known, they're going to follow you. They're going to say, I need to go talk to Chris about this thing because nobody else is talking about what's really bothering me inside, what's keeping me up. And so that's why it's so important to really have a highly defined avatar so you know more than just their demographics because their demographics has nothing to do with how they make their buying decisions. Absolutely. That's a great point. Okay. Now I want to move on a little bit towards the financial side of things. You were telling me a really interesting story before the interview, something that I can really connect with. And I'm sure a lot of other entrepreneurs as well. I don't want to tell the whole story for you, but if you tell us about what happened to your mortgage business and that journey. Sure. I had alluded to the fact that I had been in the event and hospitality industry for about 20 years and I was facing burnout. And at the time, my oldest son was graduating from college and he had worked his way through college working at a mortgage business. And he said, no, mom, I think I can do it better than the company I'm working for. Um, Why don't you come join me? I need someone I could trust. And so I thought, yay, something new. Let's do that. So in 2004, we started with the shoestring budget to build out a what we called a boutique mortgage business because we were catering to the subprime credit market and not a lot of people were doing that back in 2004. We had built a very lucrative business very quickly through events, as I had shared. That was our mainstream of lead generation at the time and doing some door knocking and flyers. And when 2008 came along and the industry imploded, all of our hopes and dreams imploded with it. We were poised to actually expand regionally. So we had been investing all of our profits, all of our extra cash into the business thinking we need to build stability, we need to build out and we were looking at moving into 12 states. And so it's very expensive to go through all the background checks and all the things that you need to do for licensing in the different states. And then everything plummeted in the subprime world and straight across the board, but especially in subprime. And we thought it was just a bubble. And we thought, you know what, things are just going to self-correct. We just need to give it some time. 
we had moved, we had just moved into two custom built homes with a pretty hefty mortgage. And it's, what are we going to do? We've got 12 families who are looking out for us. And so we sacrificed everything on our personal side in order to try and keep the business open because we really did believe that things were going to self-correct and we just had to get through this phase. That was not the case. But the great news in that story was that that's what brought me into the online business phase, which has been a great journey. But the lesson learned there was really, we needed to be more intentional about our long-term financial security. And when we got into the whole side of building an online business, I had read The 5-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And so there were two things that were really important to me in my life. One was time freedom, and the second was to have financial freedom. And so I was looking at being able to build a business where I did not have to be locked into working a 40 or 60-hour workweek, that I had the flexibility to earn a decent income Come that provided for the needs of my family. But more importantly, by this point, I was in my mid forties. And so it's like, okay, all of my savings are gone. We cashed in the 401ks to keep the business going. So I was literally starting from zero and having to build. And we had talked to our financial advisor, who, by the way, did not recommend that we cash in our 401ks when we did. He's, no, you need to keep this safe. You need to look long-term. And we had very short-sighted vision. And again, because we believed, we just believed everything was going to work out. So we created what our financial advisor calls a legacy plan. And the goal of the legacy plan is to be self-sustaining. And so over the course of time, we'll be totally self-insured. If we want to buy a vehicle, we would borrow from our own account and pay back money into our own account rather than using a bank or an insurance company. All of our homes have been placed in a trust. So everything is secure. And then monies have been set aside for college, for grandchildren and that type of thing. It was a pretty hefty price tag to get started. But once we were able to get it set up, because it is a legacy program and will be passed on to my kids and my grandchildren, we were able to go in and be more aggressive with the kind of risk we were willing to take versus if somebody in my age group, the wealth would grow more slowly because they would want me to be much more risk averse in order to meet what our financial goals are long-term. And as horrible as 2008 was, it really made a difference in how we looked at wealth and money and what freedom really means for us. And I, I think I heard on one of your previous podcast episodes, looking at an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs stop working. We just stop working for the paycheck, if you will, and really look at what's that passion project? What's that impact? We have a foundation that we will be starting probably 2024 second quarter is what we're on track for. Education is a really important thing for our family. And we want to be able to set up scholarships. I was a single mom. I raised four kids on my own and to be able to help other single moms out there, be able to put their kids into private school, if that's what they need when they're younger, or be able to help them underwrite part of the cost for college or trade school, whatever it is that is going to be happening 20 years from now. I absolutely hope that the education system 20 years from now does not look like it does right now. <laughs> That's a great story though. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I think for a lot of people, it's it's hard. It's always hard to go through that sort of thing, right? 
because nobody wants to be broke. Nobody wants their business to fail. And you, you can beat yourself up. You lose sense of your identity and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I have come to find that those moments are the most transformational because mm-hmm. that's when you know you have to do something different and that you're missing something and you need to go find out what that is. And right. if everything is easy for you and you coast along, then when you run into those problems, you don't know what to do and it can totally break you. But when you've been through something like that, and I'm sure you can tell people now, if that were to happen to you again, I'm sure that you are secure in the fact that you could go out and create again and make more wealth and start over and build back up. And and that's a really great point. And initially... It was really hard to go out and start a new business because I was like, who's going to listen to me? I just had this business just epically fail. What kind of credibility do I have? And you know what? It was just the opposite because they're like, wow, you're brave enough to get out there and start. When COVID happened, COVID did not make any impact in my business. And I was able to say, you know what? I know what it's like to lose your livelihood overnight through no fault of your own. And so I created programs that helped moms who had to quit their job or left their job in order to be at home to be able to help homeschool their kids during COVID, during the shutdown. You need to know how to make money. When I lost my mortgage company, I started my online business within six months. I had 11 women working with me and I was making over six figures within the first uh, six months. If I could do it in that situation, I can teach you how to do it now. And so it actually, COVID was a great thing for my business. And had I not gone through that in 2008, I would not have been equipped to say, you know what, let's regroup. Let's help this group of people. They need help right now. And so there's always a silver lining if you're open to the lessons that you learned in the past, because all of our skills are transferable. It's just how can we use the skills and experience that we have to serve at our highest level? Yeah, absolutely. I know that when I started my first business and then it failed, it was hard to start another one because when I started my first business, I didn't know anything, right? I didn't know any better. I was like, I know how to do this thing. People like what I do. Easy. I'll go do it and make a bunch of money. And then you realize, oh, it's not enough to do the business. You have to grow and build the business and actually know all Mm -hmm. of that. And so then the second time I went in business, I was like, all right, with everything I've been through, now I know how difficult this is. Do I really want to do this again? But when you are an entrepreneur through and through, it's just in you and you can't not do it. And so even if you go through that, even if you think you're not going to, you'll eventually find yourself back there again because you know that it's what you're here to do. So I love that story. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Very nice. Now tell me, what would you consider the biggest financial roadblock in your business right now? That's an excellent question. I think right now it is just a matter of building this new brand, not making the same mistakes that I made in the past to say, I need to just keep reinvesting into the business. I need to be sure that I'm staying true to our longer term mission and paying myself first and not the business first. And like I said, I've been in business since 2004, but it's still a daily choice because there's this temptation. If I want to grow fast, I need to invest in this. I need to put this into my business in order to do this. But I'm almost 60 now and I need to keep my eye on the prize and say, you know what? I need to make those monthly payments to myself, continue to build the wealth that I need because I'm getting to the age where I want to, I'm using air quotes, uh, retire because there's more that I want to do. There's more of an impact that I want to make. And so just really being 
wise and discerning in how I spend the money in my business and looking at, do I just want to close the business down? Do I want to sell it? And really figuring out what that exit strategy looks like, what makes the most sense and how does that fit into the overall wealth generation that we're working towards? Love it. I want to talk a little bit about that impact for you. Let's assume you're at the point where you don't have to show up to work in your business anymore and you are filling all of those buckets that you want for the future and you are totally financially free. What will you do with your time then? On a purely personal level, I used to be a competitive ballroom dancer and I am still young enough to compete. And so I would spend a lot of time just in the joy of that. But then on the business side, like I said, starting our foundation, really being able to build that out and make a big impact here in the US, but also maybe abroad and looking at countries where women are disenfranchised, where we could go in and build some schools and help women be educated and empowered to be able to create a better future future for themselves. That's so great. I love it. Now, I think I probably know the answer to this one based on everything you've said, but I'm going to ask it anyway. A lot of entrepreneurs, most of them, fortunately, at this point, know that they need to be keeping track of the numbers in their business and have at least some sort of a basic written financial plan for their business, but they don't do anything on the personal side. So do you have a personal financial plan that is written down that you follow? We do. And we meet quarterly with our financial advisor and make adjustments as needed. Because the thing is, if you don't have a roadmap, you're going to end up anywhere, right? And we operated by the seat of our pants. We had the numbers in our head. We had the goal, but it wasn't specifically outlined to say, I want to create this much wealth by this time and break it out and say, how do I need to do that? Because honestly, chances are you're not going to meet your financial goals with just one stream of revenue. If you really want to build wealth right now, all of the chit chat and buzz in the industry is you need seven different streams of income. So what do those streams of income look like for you? And how do you recession proof your business? I was really fortunate when COVID happened that I had the experience and resources that I could pivot. There were a lot of businesses, brick and mortar businesses that did not survive. And so you really need to look at what your numbers are. What are you generating now? How is that coming in? What is the mix of your business? What are the expenses of your business? What expenses are going to be increasing over time that you need to be able to look at and plan for and prepare for? And I would like to think that COVID and the mortgage crisis was a once in a lifetime event. But what's going to happen in your lifetime if you're in your 20s or 30s that hasn't happened yet? What do you need to plan for and look for in your 40s and 50s? And that's not to be a doomsayer. That's preparedness. That's being wise. It's looking ahead. What kind of nest egg do you have? How much do you need to have in order to survive something? If through no fault of your own, some horrific life event or weather event happened and took everything out and you had to start from scratch, what do you need to have in an emergency fund to be able to rebuild and start over? What does that look like? What does that mean for your business? What does that mean for your personal life? Write it out. 
know exactly what those numbers are. Do you not have seven streams of income? What are six other ways that you could dream up that you could make money? What does that look like? Is it something else in your business that you could currently do under that umbrella? Do you need to start something else that is a passive stream of income? Do you have some kind of a product that you could do that is usable? Chewing gum. People buy chewing gum every single day. People buy energy drinks every single day. What is it that you could create that is a consumable that could run on autopilot? So start asking yourself that question. If you don't have those tools in place, what do you need? Who do you need to partnership with? Who do you need to collaborate with? Who do you need to know that's not in your circle? Do you have a coach or consultant that you're working with to help you look at the bigger picture? Do you have that financial advisor in your corner who can say, hey, that's not a great investment or make sure you're not sacrificing what you've built up in order to invest in what might be a pipe dream and might not reap the rewards that you're dreaming about. So make sure that you've got that right mix of what's going on. Lay the roadmap. I tell people that with their business plan. So many people come to me, they don't have a business plan. It's like, how are you ever going to build wealth in your business or in your personal life if you don't have a plan for your business? It's crucial. It is the number one fundamental thing that you need to do if you want to build wealth. My granddaughter is learning about angles. First day yesterday with homework, and we were talking about the importance of accuracy. And if you're off just 1% in your calculation on a bigger project, you've really missed the mark. You might not hit the dartboard. You might not hit the building that the dartboard is in. You might not be in the city that the building that the dartboard is in, right? And so it's so important to be so precise and so clear about what your goals are. Because if you don't know what your goal is and what the end game is, Stephen Covey says, begin with the end of mind. Think about that number. How much do you need to make in order to be comfortable when you retire? What if there are health problems? What if you need to be in a facility? What does that facility cost? You want to be in the best facility if that's what happens to you. What if that happens to your parents? Are you financially prepared to take care of your parents if some catastrophic health issue happened? What do those numbers look like? And again, that's not to be a naysayer. If you never have to use that money, congratulations, pat yourself on the back, figure something else out to do with that. Do good. Give a million dollars to your favorite charity, whatever it is. But if you need that million dollars to care for your aging parents or to care for yourself so you're not burdening your children and putting their financial future at risk, you've got to think about those things. You've got to have those hard conversations. It's imperative. Yeah, I think there is so much amazing value in what you just said. Having the end in mind is really such an important point and, and having the roadmap because without that, you can be as clear as you want on daydreaming and visualizing and making your vision board and knowing what it's going to look like. But if you don't have a step-by-step plan to get there, you're never going to get started. I can tell you, hey, meet me in Dallas, Texas, and you can have an idea of where Dallas is. You can maybe drive to Texas without a roadmap or your GPS or whatever. But the chances of you finding the address that I'm at in Dallas without that clear plan are almost zero. Yeah. Exactly. I'm a huge spreadsheet girl. I keep everything in a spreadsheet because I want to know in my business, I want to know in my personal life. And I thank my parents from the time I was nine years old. I sat with them every week 
when they got paid and they paid bills. We balanced the checkbook. I knew the system. My parents were both entrepreneurs. And by the time I was 11, I was working in our business. By the time I was 13, I was the part-time summer bookkeeper. And so I understand, or I understood from an early age, what those numbers meant. Are we going to have enough to meet payroll? What about taxes? When is that tax payment due? When do you turn in your forms? All of those things need to be embedded in us, in our personal life and in our business life in order to be able to grow sustainable revenue and ultimately a legacy of wealth for our kids and our grandkids. Yeah, that's all very powerful and a great education. I think that it's something that's missing from most people's education. It's amazing that you had that. I wish I had that growing up. My girlfriend's son is 15 right now, and he's reading Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. And if somebody had given me something like that when I was his age, I think my life would be completely different. And I'm just like blown away at what he's going to be able to create because he's going to have that foundation. So that's so important. It is. It's crucial. Okay. Now I want to ask you, what is your biggest objective inside your business for 2023 or one thing that you would really love to see happen? Oh my goodness. I think that my big objective for 2023 is to help 100 entrepreneurs be able to realize the power of live events in their business and to be able to help them orchestrate their first live event. Very cool. I look forward to seeing you succeed in that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this has been just a really great interview. I think you've shared so much wisdom for all of our listeners. So I want to thank you for that. And I'm just really happy that you were able to take some time out of the day and talk to me in the audience. Now, for anybody who wants to find out more about who you are and what you do, where can they go to do that? They can go straight to my website. They can find me via anzagoodbar.com. It points to the website Bankable Events, or you can look for me as Anza Goodbar on LinkedIn or Facebook. Awesome. Anza, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out. And for everybody out there who listened to this, if you enjoyed, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. And if you can leave us one of those five-star reviews, that really helps us out. We love that. And if you are a six-figure plus entrepreneur like our amazing guest today and would love to come on the podcast to talk about your business and financial journey, we'd love to have you on as well to do that. Go to pyfpodcast.com. That's the letters pyfpodcast.com. And we would absolutely love to talk to you. Anza, thanks so much. Thank you, Chris. Everybody else, we will see you next time. If you've listened this far, chances are you're an entrepreneur looking to become more financially literate and create financial freedom for yourself from your business. The Pay Yourself First podcast is definitely here to help with that. My goal is to continue to share what I've learned about using your business as the tool to create financial freedom. But let's face it, it would take me years to share with you everything you need to know via these episodes. Creating financial freedom is something that most people never even consider, let alone make a plan for or take action towards. It's something almost no one was taught anything about. Doing it as an entrepreneur is even more challenging, especially without support. So if you're ready to get clear on what financial freedom looks like for you, come up with an action plan and get the support systems and accountability you need, I invite you to consider the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur. I created the program to help entrepreneurs just like you get a handle on their personal and business finances and start building confidently towards financial freedom. And it's how you can discover ways to take 10 years off your retirement, add an extra five or six figures to your portfolio, and finally get clear on what numbers you should be tracking in your business and why. 
Together, we'll gain clarity around your financial goals and what being financially free would actually look like for you. Then we'll put together a customized game plan to get you there and the accountability to see you through. And by the way, you're also gonna get all the spreadsheets you need to run your numbers, lifetime access to the materials, including any updates, and entry into our members-only community. In addition to all the knowledge, coaching, community, and systems that you need to create financial freedom from your business, you'll also receive a free financial assessment, a retirement planning session, and guided meditation aimed at helping you embody the feeling of true financial freedom. So yeah, you can just listen to the free content on these podcasts to help you move towards becoming a financially free entrepreneur. And sure, you'll likely see some results, or you can make the decision to commit to learning, implementing, and embodying what you need to know to create the financially free life you dreamed of when you started your business journey. Click the link in the show notes to answer a quick questionnaire, and you'll be on your way to joining the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur.